another live stream. Tesla just reported their Q1 2020 earnings, and we had an amazing surprise, right? Tesla pulled off um, a gap profit of $16 million when practically everyone was estimating and predicting a, a net loss of around $200 million or so. So Tesla surprised on the upside. Here in the aftermarket, you have Tesla already up. Um, right now, they're at about $872. We have about a 9% bump in the stock price, and here's the chart um, in after hours. Now, the conference call hasn't happened yet. Um, that's going to happen in about 40 minutes or so at 3.30 p.m. and uh, Pacific time. And we're going to see um, uh, Elon Musk and others uh, from the leadership team answer questions. And the biggest question is going to be when will t uh, Fremont Factory open up? And I think it will be a concerning sign if Elon says, I don't know when it's going to open up. Um, then that means basically that Alameda County in the Bay Area is pushing really hard on their extended shelter-in-place order until the end of May and they're not going to let Fremont uh, open up their factory. And there could be some messy you know, battles ahead. There could be some legal battles. I don't know. I mean, I think it gets uh, kind of extreme when you have local authorities um, yeah, preventing people, not just working, like let's say, for a few weeks or a month, but when this goes on for months, right, um, and the, the, the ability for companies to survive is threatened, Right, and thousands and thousands of jobs, right, are on the line. Like this is uh, pretty serious stuff, and so May is going to be um, an interesting month to watch for sure. Um, in this uh, live stream, here's what I'm, what I'm going to do. I'm going to go ahead and I'm going to talk about this one topic specifically: Will Tesla qualify for the S&P 500 after Q2 of 2020? And we're going to dive into some of the numbers so you can understand what's going on here. After this uh, kind of talk, we're going to have, um, I'm going to go ahead and uh, spend some time answering more questions from you guys about the earnings and also Tesla. And I'm going to end this live stream before 3.30 p.m. That's when Elon Musk and the Tesla team comes on for a conference call that you can listen into by just dialing or going to ir.tesla.com and you can uh, be able to listen to the whole thing there. All right, so will Tesla qualify for the S&P 500 in 2020? So I'm going to re review a few few slides that I shared yesterday. Um, Tesla is fortunate that this pandemic situation happened uh, this year and not, let's say, last year or two years or three years ago, right? I mean, it could have been very disastrous if t it happened, you know, a different time. But Tesla has reached a place of a greater maturity. They have um, production. They've actually um, um, been able to ramp their production, and they have some you know, some good cash on hand, right? Tesla ended 2019 with $6 billion and they raised an additional, right, $2.3 billion. And in their quarterly report, they say they have $8.1 billion at the end of Q1. And then you have Model Y is just beginning to ramp, right? This is probably the most underappreciated fact of Tesla and probably the main reason why Tesla is going to be able to increase their auto sales year over year because they have a new line of product, right? They have a completely new product that's the most popular car of their vehicle. And just based off of that, even if their other cars decline in volume and sales, right, the Model Y will compensate and increase, right? So Tesla will be likely the only car manufacturer in 2020 to increase their sales, right? And possibly also in 2021 as well. And the last thing which is fortunate is they have a new factory, right, in, Chi in Shanghai, right? They, 
in record time built a complete factory from from ground up and um, they produced over 12,000 units in March so that's basically 150,000 uh, annual run rate and in their quarterly report they just announced that bumping that up they're going to try to reach a 200,000 annual run rate by mid uh, mid year so about June or July I'm guessing all right um, a couple other things is in interesting about Tesla's position um, in this whole situation with the economy is while other auto, OE, auto OEMs are struggling to survive, Tesla is thriving because they're able to grow their sales, right? Um, while other OEMs are shrinking their sales, Tesla's growing. Other OEMs or automakers are trying to reduce their EV plans, right? Reduce spending where Tesla is growing their plans or ramping Model Y, ramping their China factory, building their Berlin factory, looking for another gigafactory in the U.S and having a battery day hopefully next month. And then other manufacturers are probably going to reduce their autonomous driving spending. Now in a time of economic crisis like we have, these automakers are going to go into austerity, right? Anything that's not completely essential gets just cut. And that's probably autonomous driving. But Tesla is going to be growing their autonomous uh, driving features. And so in this crisis, Tesla is probably the only automaker that's going to get stronger. Um, and they're gonna, it's gonna become, I think, more evident that Tesla is the preeminent, right, automaker. And it's not just automaker, they're the next, they're the future, they're the leader of autonomous driving, they're the leader of uh, transportation as a service, right? Um, yeah, it's a multi-trillion dollar industry, right, just logistics and transportation, et cetera. All right, so going into S&P uh, 500 inclusion, before today, um, here's what Tesla had to do, or actually for today, to in be included in the S&P 500. So um, the two qualifications, there are other qualifications, but the two main qualifications that are pertinent to Tesla at this time is number one, their last quarter has to be profitable. And the second thing is their last four quarters added together have to be profitable. So there, it has to be a cumulative profit over the past four quarters. As long as these two factors are met, um, Tesla is going to qualify to be included in the S&P 500. And because they're such a large cap company, uh, over $150 billion um, market cap, you're going to see Tesla, I think, added to the S&P 500 uh, quite rapidly after they're qualified to enter. Now, in order for Tesla to have entered or be qualified for the S&P 500 this quarter, um, you have to add up the past three quarters and then figure out how much they need this quarter to be profitable. So in Q2 of 2019, they had a $408 million loss. Now this is a big loss um, and they have to compensate that, right? They have to go profitable. So in Q3, they had $143 million profit and in Q4, they had $105 million profit. So what's left over is Tesla needs $160 million profit in Q1 this quarter in order Right for the past four quarters to be slightly profitable, like a dollar profitable. So the question was, could Tesla right report a hundred and sixty million dollar gap uh, profit for Q1? And um, I said it was unlikely, and yeah, it was unlikely. I mean, Tesla reported a sixteen million dollar um, profit. They were actually off just by like a hundred and you know forty five million dollars or so. Um, if, if Tesla would have done something to, to bring in $145 million extra dollars for this quarter and qualify for S&P 500, um, yeah, you would see the stock, I believe, much higher than it is right now in after hours. Um, it would just completely devastate and shock the whole bear, like shorts, you know, completely. Um, 
I, I can't imagine what some of these shorts would, 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 how they would react to that, right? If Tesla was actually be included in the S&P 500 after this quarter. But anyways, Tesla is not going to be, not going to qualify this quarter. So wh what is going to happen? How is Tesla going to qualify um, going forward? So in order to qualify for S&P 500 inclusion, um, right, they need the last quarter profitable and the last four quarters cumulative profitable. So if we do Q3, Q4, and Q1 of this year, so you have $143 million in profit, $105 million in profit in Q4, and this quarter was $16 million in profit. So over three quarters, the past three quarters, you have $264 million in profit. So in Q2 of next year, right, Q2 is basically um, April, May, and June of this year, um, and they report in, in, at the end of July. In Q2, they just need to be $1 profitable. And the reason is, is because their last quarter needs to be profitable as well. So if they're just do a $1 right, profit, uh, then they'll qualify for the S&P 500, and um, it'll be in a momentous occasion. Now, they could do something like this. In Q2, let's say they run a 200 and let's say they do a $300 million loss in Q2, okay? What happens now, right? Well, in Q3, they just need a 40, 30, what, 36 or $37 million profit in Q3 in order uh, to qualify for the S&P 500 because the, actually that's not true because actually the $143 million in profit would have gone, uh, would have been excluded. So anyways, they'll need a bigger profit than that actually. They'll have to basically offset um, a lot of this um, $300 million. So it'll probably be about hundred and um, $180 million or so they'll need in Q3. So anyways, Q2 has a shot at being um, uh, at being uh, included or qualified for being qualified for the S&P 500. They just need to report a dollar profit. Um, so why is this going to be a, a challenge? The challenge is this, is I tweeted this yesterday, the Bay Area is extending their shelter in place order and they're easing restrictions on just a small number of lower risk activities. Now today we got more word on this and they're limiting or easing restrictions on like golf and tennis and gardening and some outdoor construction activities but there wasn't really any like uh, information about manufacturing and so my hunch is that Bay Area is going to be against Tesla opening their factory in May. Um, and this extended order um, goes on to the end of May. And I think that's one of the reasons why Elon Musk was so upset yesterday and tweeted out a bunch of tweets saying, you know, we should free America, etc. Um, yeah, this is going to be a big question mark going forward for Tesla, right? Can they open up the Fremont factory um, in May or not? Is it going to be really in June? Like, you know, this is like, you know, I, I shared about this actually over a month ago. Um, when they first closed the Fremont factory or they, when they announced it, this was actually um, mid-March when they, they did the announcement. And I shared that, you know, this was really a bad announcement because for Tesla because um, they could extend this and this um, a shelter in place after May 4th, right? And it can go on and on. And I was saying like these uh, health officials really need a small, smart and comprehensive uh, strategy, not just a reactionary one. Like look at South Korea. They're able to keep businesses open while uh, enacting a comprehensive smart solution, right? With testing, with masks, with just letting, uh, uh, requiring different protocols for work, etc. And they're able to keep the whole virus situation intact. And I think, um, yeah, there's um, there's 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 some wisdom, I think, in in I guess 
reacting in a way where you do shut down the economy if it's way out of control, right? Out of control. But then there's on the other side, you've got to let people, I think, go to work and take, you know, the precautions they need. And the government needs to step in and actually set those precautions going forward. But anyways, this is a big debate. I know um, uh, everyone has their own opinions on this. So let's take a look at um, uh, Tesla's after hour price right now. Um, yeah, we're at 200 or $875 in aftermarket uh, uh, trading, and we've got about a 9.4% increase so, so far. All right, so um, what we're going to do is I want to talk about, um, uh, let's get to a few questions. There was um, one question, um, actually, let's take, um, yeah, Michael saying, is the aftermarket rise justified? Profit is made up of regulatory credit. Yeah, you know, um, Michael, yeah, true. I, I shared this in my last live stream. The bulk of the profit is because of the $220 million in increased re regulatory credit. But on the flip side, um, you have to see that that regulatory credit, it could be actually sustainable. It could be because of the fiat contract and it could actually be something that they could, you know, have going forward. Um, I think for Tesla, though, it's not necessarily like, whether Tesla pulls in $50 million of profit or negative 50 million or plus 100 plus, and we're not talking about like these relatively small numbers that have a huge impact on Tesla's future going forward. Tesla's valuation is mainly um, made up because of its big ambitious plans, right? To sell millions and millions of cars and to get hundreds and billions of dollars, right? So we're talking about the potential for Tesla to accrue billions of dollars in annual pro in quarterly profits, right? Um, and that's what's baked into the stock price of Tesla, not necessarily just this quarter and whether they make 50 million or 100 million or lose 50 million or 100 million. So yeah, I think um, the aftermarket uh, rise in a sense, I understand it, yeah, because it's not just Tesla is slightly profitable, is that their business is doing well, you know, demand is doing well, they're executing on all fronts, and um, they're going to be able to take advantage of opportunity as this whole economy hopefully picks up in the near or far future, and um, yeah, they're the best position in the auto market to do so. All right, someone asked, what's important, what's the point of, um, of, of Tesla joining the S&P 500? And... Um, Let's see if I could find this yeah, question by saying, uh, Lee says, why is qualifying for the S&P 500 so important? See, the S&P 500 um, is, is, is really important. Uh, Susan High says, many funds who track the S&P 500 are required to buy stock in all companies who are in the S&P 500. Yeah, so there's been a huge movement toward index fund investing, right, by especially younger you know, folks and low-cost index fund investing and there's a ton of money and ton of funds that are tracking like index funds like the S&P 500 and for all those funds who track the S&P 500 when a new company is added to let's say the S&P 500 the, all these other funds are required to purchase a certain amount of that company so that it, they can continue to track right kind of replicate the S&P 500 allocation so what that means is that uh, there's a lot of buying pressure that happens when a company qualifies for the S&P 500, and um, I think it's something in the in the realm of like, you know, 50 to 100 mil, or not uh, five percent to 10 percent, right? Uh, increase in stock price usually that happens when a company is added to the S&P 500. But a lot of times, you know, it's tricky. A lot of times, these funds will front run it right when they, you know, know that the company is about to be qualified they'll start buying those shares so they don't have to buy it at up at a higher price so it, it could be difficult to time the exact uh, kind of inclusion but it does mark a big a milestone for tesla if and when they're included 
um, into the S&P 500 because this is basically the top 500 companies, right, in market cap, but also the, the profitable ones. All right, Dave, um, what are the odds of a $1 profit in Q3 if Fremont doesn't open up until the first week of June? Yeah, I think like if if Tesla doesn't open up until the first week of June, like, yeah, they're not going to be producing that many cars, you know? I mean, uh, in their earnings report, they said they have a 500,000 or so production capacity at Fremont. So uh, if you do 50 weeks of production, that's about 10,000 per week. So if they open up the first week of June, let's say they get four weeks of production in June, you know, that's like 40,000 vehicles, right? Um, yeah, you know, and then maybe Shanghai, um, let's say they are operating at like, let's say 15,000 per month, so they say 45,000. So you might get 85,000 vehicles produced. Um, in terms of delivery, yeah, you might get similar delivery numbers because they had an excess of about 15,000 units they produced in Q1. So, you know, you might get 85,000 units. You know, you might get, you know, an optimistic case, you know, they might be able to break even, but the chances are, you know, they will have a loss, you know, of a couple hundred million dollars, um, something zero to $200 million probably, or it could be even greater. It all depends on, you know, how much also this shutdown is costing, how much, how much of their expenses, right, are, um, is costing Tesla during this shutdown. So I don't think a profit is really realistic, especially if they're not able to open up until uh, June. Um, All right, JX, I'm from Argentina. We'll have inflation of 670% this year if things go conservatively. Yeah, you know, there's a lot of stuff um, um, with what's happening with the whole monetary policy and inflation in certain countries as well. And um, with the Fed printing trillions of dollars, um, yeah, it kind of makes sense that um, there's going to be some major changes in, on what's going on. Um, I think inflation is actually a tricky thing, um, especially in the U.S., um, I think there could be a, a possibility where inflation, the way they track inflation, doesn't really reflect the accurate kind of value of money. Like you might think that inflation is not happening, but inflation could be happening in other sectors in other ways that isn't being tracked by the way people are tracking inflation. But anyways, I can go on. Um, I'll probably do another video on this. Okay. Um, all right. JX says... Uh, I'm 17 with four shares of Tesla, and I'm trying to convince my grandparents to buy 400 shares of Tesla. I'm sure this is a no-brainer for a few years. What do you think? Yeah, uh, nothing is a no-brainer. Um, yeah, I mean, I'm, I'm telling you, like recommending people to buy certain stocks, like when they don't want to, it's um, it's a tough thing, man. Because what if it goes bad, right? What if the whole recommendation doesn't turn out? Um, yeah, I, I try not to recommend people, you know, necessarily to buy certain stocks at a certain time or certain price, you know. The best thing I think people can do is really to research these companies and learn how to value right, and make up their own valuations. Um, and then to start slowly and to build up those skills over time. And if one can't do that, really, you know, it's hard to really take advantage of the full potential of investing. And I think there are probably some better ways to, to invest, um, maybe in, in, in passively, passive ways as well. All right, Peter says, I recall Apple had to do a stock split before inclusion into the S&P 500 due to not enough shares available for funds to buy. Does Tesla need to split because of this amount of shares available? Yeah, I don't think that's actually the case. Um, actually, um, yeah, um, the number of shares actually doesn't really matter um, because, 
you know, it's the market cap that matters. And so these funds buying, right, um, shares into a company before it goes into S&P 500, it's not, the, the shares, number of shares are irrelevant. They have to buy a certain market cap of the company. Um, that's how you look at shares. And so whether Tesla splits or doesn't split, um, it really has almost no impact on Tesla, on Tesla's value, and on people's actually, you know, amount that they hold in Tesla stock. Um, so Tesla doesn't need to split um, if they join the S&P 500. Um, they could, but they, I don't think they, they want to. Um, there's no reason to at this time. Um, they could later, you know, whenever they want to, but it's unrelated to the S&P 500. All right. Uh, Diablo says, what can we expect as the recession progresses, inflation and demand? Um, yeah, I think um, a lot is um, is uh, it, a lot of people are confused with what's going on with this recession, with the stock market. Um, I have a question here. Um, I'll go ahead and pull it up. Um, okay, let's pull up this question here. Um, yes. So someone was asking. Um, Right here, if you guys can see it. it, says, Dave, I'm wondering how the market can be on such an upswing with 30 million Americans out of work, even with the government propping up the market. Are we not due for another uh, correction? Yeah, so that's kind of the sentiment, you know, of a lot of people where it's like, wait a minute, what's going on? Like all these stocks, a lot of these stocks have rebounded, you know, a lot of stocks have rebounded double since the bottom. And you have like Amazon and now Google and Apple all are starting to approach their highs and um, things are coming back. And there seems to be kind of this exuberance that's still left in the market. And you have a lot of people predicting like a double bottom, right? Saying, oh, it's going to go back down. It's, it's impossible that stock market can go up when the economy and the forecast of the economy is so bad. However, there is a different kind of narrative or a different story that is a possibility that I think people need to be aware of because I think a lot of people think that the stock market goes up when the economy does well and the stock market goes down when the economy does poorly. However, it's not that simple oftentimes, and especially in times of crisis and when there's a massive intervention like the Fed doing unlimited quantitative easing and spending trillions of dollars. It's possible that this influx of money of trillions of dollars is somehow ending up to prop up equities in certain ways and certain mark in certain types of companies especially like think about it if banks and holders of mega money need to park their money somewhere um, they don't want to park it in bonds because bonds is like an IOU for money and money is like decreasing in value if the Fed's printing trillions of dollars right and you know you don't want to buy Bitcoin because it's too risky you don't want to put your put into gold because maybe you're not a big fan of you know gold it doesn't produce anything so you're gonna put it into equities but with equities what are you going to put into? You're going to avoid all the companies that have like terrible balance sheets, right? Who don't have enough cash on hand to survive. And you're going to start focusing on the companies that have great balance sheets and have stable incomes and are just going to be able to weather the storm. And if inflation hits or the store of value, like if inflation hits and, and, and money in turn, uh, gets less valuable, meaning you have to have more money to buy the same amount of goods, certain companies are just going to be able to increase their prices, right? And that increases their incomes and, and their market cap. And so you want to bet on those companies. And what you see in the market right now is you see all that money going into those type of companies, right? Into the good companies that are stable, have, you know, balance sheet, good balance sheets, etc. And 
a lot of times you need to follow the flow of the money, right? If there are trillions of dollars of money that's going into the market, where is that money going to and how is it propping up asset prices and what's going to happen? And that's, um, yeah, that's a serious consideration. That's why you could see the market rebound the way it did from 18,000 something up to 24,000, right? Just in a matter of a month or so. Um, it's not ironic, I think. It's not co coincidental. On March 23rd at the bottom, 18,500 or so, the Fed announced their unlimited quantitative easing program. That kind of marked the V-shaped kind of bottom that day that the Fed announced it, right? And so you can't ignore the, the monetary policy of the Fed and its impact on the stock market. And so, um, yeah, it's uncertain, unclear times we live in. But um, yeah, um, overly simplistic um, explanations by people on just like, you know, giving their kind of, you know, their views. Um, yeah, that could be possibly not the right answer, I think. Um, all right, um, let's answer a few more questions. Um, again, uh, at 3.30, we've got the conference call going on. I'm gonna go ahead and um, I'm gonna go give it a shot to, I'm gonna try to see if my computer can broadcast uh, live the conference call. So I'll start a new live stream with the conference call. Um, I won't do video, I'll just kind of do the audio and maybe it will allow people to text and chat during the conference call and I'll chat with you guys and we can share kind of our thoughts during the conference call. All right, Jeremy says uh, Tesla versus gold for 2020. Yeah, you know, um, uh, long term, like gold is like I'd rather have in, be invested in a company that produces goods and services. Um, I just think they can produce more value, right? Grow faster. Like gold doesn't really produce anything. Um, but I, I, I'm actually more bullish on gold than Bitcoin. You know, I think gold is just like, you know, it's a store of value that is like, you know, people go to in times of need. Um, Bitcoin to me is so volatile and like, I don't know, I think it's got some uh, fundamental issues with Bitcoin. Um, um, yeah, I mean, check out my Bitcoin video that I did like a few months ago and um, if you're interested in Bitcoin, but I, I do have some question marks. But Tesla versus gold, I think it's two completely different sets um, of, of approaches. Gold um, is something if, yeah, sure, if you don't want to lose any money, but you're not, the chances of like, you know, doing a 10x, let's say in five or 10 years is probably pretty limited. Um, I think if a person is relatively scared of the markets, um, yeah, I think uh, some big kind of market cap names at the right price kind of could make sense. Like an Amazon, like a Google, like an Apple. These companies are now, I think in a, in a weird sense, they're the new gold. Um, these companies have solid balance sheets, like Apple, Google has like over $100 billion or so, right, in, in cash, and they just produce income, even in recessions, right, they're still profitable. Um, this is the new gold of in the 21st century, right, these big companies that are just conglomerates, international, right, diversified across countries. Um, yeah, so, um, yeah, if you want to spread out your bets, um, yeah, personally, that's what I would do if I wasn't uh, investing for, for outsized gains. All right, Zed Zhang says, uh, Dave, what's your thought on how Tesla can be impacted if there's a second uh, wave of COVID after opening? Yeah, this is a big question mark, you know, like what happens if there's another wave, especially, let's say this winter, you know, if it comes back, which it could be very likely, what's going to happen? Um, yeah, I think it all depends on, you know, the Bay Area's restrictions on how strictly they're going to um, have Tesla, you know, are they going to shut down their factory again? Uh, require them or are they going to let Tesla work through it right um, with certain protocol and safety measures and um, 
the biggest risk, risk factor for Tesla this year, in a sense, is the Bay Area. Um, they have the most stringent, most conservative policies ever, and it could be you know, on the unreasonable side. We'll see on this. Um, but that's the biggest risk factor that, yeah, the, the local officials shut down uh, Tesla's factory uh, another time. All right, uh, Joey DeCoso says, you said Tesla might be between 500 and 1,000 yesterday in December 2020. How does this uh, report affect your napkin math? Yeah, um, yeah, actually, this report is surprising, actually. Um, it shows me that Tesla um, is able to um, execute well, um, even with, let's say, you know, having their factory shut down the last few weeks. They could have done a lot better, I think. They could have actually... Uh, deliver quite a few more cars and I think we could have seen a bigger profit and we could have seen Tesla included in the S&P 500 after this quarter if it wasn't just for this you know pandemic issue I mean yeah it, it's a, it would have been a historic time I think we would have seen the Tesla above a thousand you know uh, this year um, and uh, even going higher and so yeah what happens um, a lot of it's 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 what happens um going forward um, I don't know I think it, this makes uh, the possibility of Tesla dipping under 400 again um, in the near term or next several months less likely just because there's a stability in Tesla's business. Um, they're progressing every month, every quarter, Tesla is getting stronger, right? And this report is showing that. Um, can Tesla break a thousand? Sure, they can, right? It all depends on the buyers. It just takes like one big fund, let's say, you know, like puts in a few billion dollars into Tesla or a few funds and, and you'll see the, the stock price go up, right? Um, yeah. And oftentimes we don't even know what's happening until after it happens. And so, yeah, if there are some big buyers who decide to go in, and again, um, the 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 hidden factor is like, where are all the, these trillions of dollars of Fed money going to, right? What equities are they going into? And um, is Tesla one of them, right? Is and if if so, yeah, we could see higher prices, you know, and we we could also see uh, lower uh, prices as well. All right. Um, all right. It's three twenty. Um, we're, I'm going to go ahead and um, I'll take one or two more questions, um, and then we'll go ahead and um, All right, I'm going to go ahead and um, uh, end here um, for this video call. And um, uh, I'll restart a live stream at 3.30 in about 10 minutes uh, for the conference call. I'll try to stream it live on uh, YouTube. We can go ahead and chat. I'll share my thoughts as we listen to the conference call. It'll be an audio-only audio one. All right, thanks, guys. If you can go ahead and please like the video, subscribe if you haven't, and uh, we'll see you guys soon. Uh, take care and good luck. Bye.